The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show. Welcome to all of you. Oh, you know what? I tell people all the time I have the greatest listeners. You are awesome. Your dedication, how you follow this show. You know you're helping me spread the news about quality of life for people living with a disability. So thank you so much. Couldn't do it without you. And, hey, the countdown has started. Because we are now soon only going to be one month away. It's actually a month and 26 days now to the anniversary of the 20th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Oh, so excited about that. Such a great, such a great day coming. And today, it is my honor to have a guest who has been, may I tell you, fighting for people with disabilities, specifically epilepsy. And I'm going to tell you, he is a true advocate. He is a friend of mine, but more importantly, he's a friend of yours. Here's what I have to tell you about Dr. Brian Smith, who will be next year the chair of the board of the National Epilepsy Foundation, currently the director of the Epilepsy Monitoring Unit, at Henry Ford Hospital in Michigan. Here's what I have to tell you about him. He is the real deal. I'm telling you right now, you can all be happy. He is the real deal. He is genuine, and it is my great pleasure to have him as our guest today. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hi, Joyce. It's a pleasure being on your show. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here, as, as it was before. So, Brian. How about if you first start by telling our listeners how you first became involved with epilepsy? Uh, well, Joyce, uh, as we've had this discussion, uh, uh, people should know, you're, of course, you are my mentor, uh, being the present chair of the Epilepsy Foundation Board. So a lot of uh, the direction I've had is with your wise uh, uh, input over the last year. Um, my first... Uh, Shall we he said I'm his mentor. I'm really his tormentor. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for the kind words. Go oh, ahead. You're quite welcome. Um, my first uh, interaction really with epilepsy was a personal one. Um, in my teenage years, uh, all of a sudden I had some unusual things going on and really had no clue what they were. And I, I was a relatively intelligent you know, student. Um, I was doing well in school, and all of a sudden I started having these weird little feelings and uh, unusual interactions that uh, I didn't really think anything of, didn't tell anybody. Uh, I remember having a girlfriend who noticed a couple events where I just wasn't completely responding to her, but really didn't go on to, to anything, so I kind of didn't really make much of it until one day in a high school parking lot I had a major seizure, 
and that's where my my uh, interactions with epilepsy first became uh, known was uh, that evaluation in the hospital then after that first major seizure. And Brian, let me ask you this: you know, as you mentioned, how you didn't know. Is it that common that a lot of people, like young people, maybe don't know what it is? Uh, it's probably not very uncommon at all. I mean, we all kind of have maybe seen uh, a seizure on a TV program or uh, maybe at a family function, and we typically associate uh the term epilepsy with a grand mal seizure or a major seizure. And what people don't realize is seizures can come in all sizes and shapes. They can be very subtle. They can just be a funny feeling. They can be uh, uh, just a brief period of confusion. And, of course, they can be a major seizure. So I think there are a lot of people, especially when they first start experiencing symptoms, which could be seizures, really that isn't the first thing they think of. And what what do you think we need to do to work on changing that well as you worked on diligently for a number of years now and that's educating educating um, patients families and just the general public on what what seizures are what epilepsy is what are the different forms of epilepsy what are the appropriate treatments and keep going down that road of educating so people understand and help with the mission all right well we are live also on Facebook and Twitter and here is our first question for you from Kansas, from a Linda. And the question is, the other day I heard my aunt talking, and she was telling my cousin, who has been diagnosed with epilepsy, um, he's very young, he's 12 years old, but she was telling him, whatever you do, don't tell anyone about this. Why do you think people feel that way? Well, unfortunately, there's still this old stigma. If you go back many, many years into uh, past medical years and and uh, we look at history books, epilepsy wasn't always viewed as a, a, a medical condition. You know, there were people who thought, well, this was clearly all a psychiatric problem. Or there, I mean, there were even times where it was thought to be, you know, demons or evil spirits. So the, the stigma associated with epilepsy is very, very wrong, and unfortunately it's been passed on for a number of years. I mean, we, of course, fully understand that it's uh, kind of an electrical short circuit of the brain that can occur for a number of reasons from uh, being passed on in the bloodline to, to an acquired problem like head trauma or infection or complications at birth or tumor or stroke, lots of different reasons that can occur. Unfortunately, there still are a lot of people who want to keep it in the closet because they don't understand the illness and they don't understand the causes and they don't understand the fixes. Well, uh, Brian, you are a doctor that you actually specialize in epilepsy and, and you have epilepsy, which, wow, I mean, they are so lucky. We are so lucky to have you uh, with us doing this for us at the National Foundation and for your affiliate that you work with in Michigan. Um, but I wanted to ask you, the Epilepsy Monitoring Unit at Henry Ford Hospital, can you explain exactly what that is and what you do? Well, uh, uh, Epilepsy Monitoring Unit, uh, obviously there's a number of them around the country. There are special units designed for patients to actually be brought into the hospital to record their seizures. And 
there's really two reasons to do that. I mean, we spend most of our time outside of the hospital trying to stop people from having seizures. But let's say uh, someone has recurrent seizures and we don't know why the medications aren't working. Could it be another condition? In some cases, it is. It's not due to epilepsy, but seizures can manifest for other reasons or be confused with other illnesses. So that's one way to make a diagnosis is actually bring patients in to record their typical seizures. The other main reason people come into monitoring units is because we already know they do have epilepsy, they're not controlled with medications, and now they're being considered for epilepsy surgery. And to consider someone for surgery where you're, where you're thinking about actually removing the small area of the brain that's causing the seizures, well, first you have to be sure that you have recorded seizures, localized or found out where they're coming from, and then test to be sure that you can remove that area without causing another problem. So those are the two main purposes for epilepsy monitoring units or special facilities to care for patients with seizures when you put them at risk by reducing their medications to capture seizures either to make a diagnosis or determine if they're a surgical candidate. And what percentage of people would you say end up being a surgical candidate? Well, if we look at the big picture in the United States, there's probably around 3 million people who have epilepsy. Two-thirds will be controlled with medication, which means a third of those are going to be medically refractory or they'll fail medications, um, typically by definition at least two, but a lot of these patients have failed multiple medications. doesn't mean all of them will be surgical candidates, but that's the third of the population who would be potentially considered, and then that number is going to be a much smaller percentage of that big number depending on some of their other features. For example, we have, unfortunately, people who have developed epilepsy uh, related to some type of other syndrome where they may have other neurologic manifestations and multiple other problems, and they wouldn't necessarily be a candidate for removing a small area of the brain because they actually end up having problems in multiple areas of the brain, which could include seizures from multiple areas. Well, um, before we get any further, I know we have some callers on the line. Uh, First, we have uh, Judy Painter on the line. Judy, are you there? Uh, Yes, I am. How are you doing, Joyce? Hey, Judy, how are you? I'm very well. Uh, Judy Judy Painter is the executive director of the Epilepsy Foundation of Western and Central PA right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Judy. Hi, Dr. Smith. How are you doing? Good. Hi, Judy. How are you? I'm very well. Um, I have two questions. Uh, The first question is a result of uh, Joyce just talking to you about uh, diagnosing people with epilepsy. Um, In your experience, how often do people use the actual diagnosis of epilepsy as opposed to seizure disorder? Well, I'm I'm hoping uh, that the majority are using the diagnosis of epilepsy. I know at least uh, medical providers, that's what they code for, of course, but unfortunately a lot of people are still hesitant to use that term epilepsy. So we have a lot of people who walk around and say, no, I don't have epilepsy, I have a seizure disorder, kind of keeping it very nonspecific. And I would guess probably a third of the patients that I meet um, still use that terminology. And you're right, that kind of goes back to avoiding the stigma or avoiding that terminology that places them with that specific condition. I know, and it's so very misleading. I cannot tell you how misleading it is and how so many, you know, people with epilepsy are um, covered by the Americans with Disability Act. 
and uh, children in school receive a lot of services and have individualized educational programs because they have a diagnosis of, of epilepsy. If they have a diagnosis of a seizure disorder, it's not covered, you know. And so really the doctors, although they think they're doing the parents a favor by not telling their child that they have epilepsy um, and telling them that they have a seizure disorder or, or really are not doing them any favors because people are really being denied uh, services that, that they should be given because of that. That's a great point, Judy. I mean, and that, that is an excellent point. Right. I mean, think think about that. You know, from them doing that, they're denying their own child those services that they would have. Yeah, but the, you know, they don't know because if you, their doctors tell them that. Their doctors mm-hmm. tell them, I can guarantee you in Pittsburgh, their doctors tell them that they have a seizure disorder. They mm-hmm. don't use the word epilepsy. So if that could be sort of a movement within the um, neurology world or the American Epilepsy Society, that people actually, doctors actually start using the word epilepsy, I think that will, you know, take away some of the stigma because, you know, we're we're dealing with so many things uh, in that area. I, I really believe that more people knowing about the word, saying the word epilepsy, uh, will help us because people don't come to the Epilepsy Foundation for services because they don't think they have epilepsy. Right. So I won't, I'll get off of that bandwagon. Uh, okay. The other thing that I really want to talk to you about uh, and the reason I called was the work that you're doing on medication switching. And um, has anything happened recently uh, that gives you hope uh, that, uh, you know, AEDs will be, you know, treated differently than say, a a medication for a migraine headache? Yes, well, that's a great question. When we talk about medication substitution, we talk about patients who are on a preparation, whether it be a brand or generic, and they get another uh, formulation substituted, like a different generic, uh, going from brand to generic or generic to a different generic. Uh, And the reason this has become a big issue, well, at least a, a, a percentage of patients with epilepsy is because uh, the assumption is that going from one preparation to another, there should be no problems. You should have maintaining the exact same seizure control and side effect profile. But a number of patients have complained of variation um, when they made a switch, and that could include, of course, breakthrough seizures or um, significant side effects. And the question is, what's happened with that? Um, well, the, a number of studies have been completed looking at insurance databases showing that there is uh, a higher risk of being evaluated in an emergency room, uh, typically for breakthrough seizures, in if you've been undergone a, a switch. Now, the majority of people out there will be able to make the switch without a problem, but there is a minority where they're going to have a problem, and there's no way to predict it right now. So there's been a lot of discussion and ongoing debate about this. What's happened most recently? There, were, in the last year, there have been a couple. Uh, presentations actually obtaining the data from the FDA, the actual what we call pharmacokinetic data or data that we get from measuring blood concentrations on the normal controls they use to approve a generic preparation. And what they found out is even though they want to say that the variability in most cases is 4 to 5 percent, which in, in the majority of generic generic medications, that is the case. There's even variability in brand name preparations. What the FDA doesn't look at, though, is when you're switching from one generic to another, and there is now data specifically from the FDA uh, uh, source, which approves generics, 
that show there can be variability anywhere from 15 up to 40% from switching from a generic to another generic. And that, of course, raises significant concern. Um, unfortunately, as a patient or a caregiver, you have no way right now to identify which generic is at this end and which generic is at this end and how much of a switch there's actually going to be when you go from one preparation to another. So that data coming out, I think, is an important step, and a lot of insurance companies are now making some changes in how they look at this issue of anti-epileptic medications. And you mentioned the term uh, narrow therapeutic index drug or critical dose drug. Drugs that with small changes can cause problems, either in toxicity or lack of control, are used, uh, have this term of critical dose drugs or narrow therapeutic index drugs. There was just a meeting recently of a committee that's providing input to the FDA that discussed this issue, including the anti-epileptic medications, and there was concern voiced that the, some of the anti-epileptic medications are in this category, and the approval process that the FDA presently uses for generics may have to be changed to give a tighter control of these preparations. So although there has not been a formal change, I think there are a lot of people who are seeing the concerns. Insurance companies have really kind of stepped up here, which doesn't always occur if the FDA hasn't made a formal statement, but they've come out and are starting to make some adjustments in their policy on this issue to try to keep patients safe and maintain their same preparation. Well, I know that's wonderful news, and I know that as a matter of, you know, information to you, on our board of directors, we have uh, representatives from two insurance uh, companies in Pittsburgh, and, and as a result of our report, to them, uh, because of the re- some of the work that you've been doing in the past, these two uh, individuals are going to work together to take a look at that and, and see what they can do uh, as far as, um, you know, protecting people with epilepsy. Oh, that, that's great. And one other comment, obviously there is a group um, out of the American Epilepsy Society that is really trying from a scientific standpoint to answer this question with a prospective trial uh, through the National Institute of Health, and that's in the process right now. The problem, and I guess the concern from uh, the patient and, and caregiver standpoint is uh, the completion of just that initial trial is probably looking at a couple years for completion and and reporting of those results, and we're not really sure where it's going to go from there. So one of the debates is how do we keep people safe in the interim, and that's where there's movement both at state and national levels to try to provide an answer to that question. Mm-hmm. And well, Judy, Brian, I am thank so you so much about... for uh, all that information and everything you do for the Epilepsy Foundation. We greatly appreciate it, and congratulations on being the chair-elect to both the PAB and the National Board. Thanks a lot, Judy. It's a pleasure talking to you again. You're going to be busy. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye, Judy. Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. Okay, wait a minute. Now I think we have another caller on the line. Do we have another caller on the line? Yes, you have another caller on the line. Do we have Do we have We have my sister on the line here? Yes, you your sister is on the line. Hello, Dr. Smith. How are you? Hi, Denise. How are you? Now wait a minute. I have to let everyone know because we have a famous diva calling in that this is Denise Peace. So you better all pay attention right now because Denise Peace is in the house speaking. 
and you know, Brian, you know, it, it, you know I, I, am, I am so very honored to be able to serve with you on Epilepsy Foundation Board. Um, Joyce, you may not know this, but I met Brian, I guess, Brian, it was about seven or eight years ago before you came on the board. When we talked at a conference. And, and when we talked at uh, 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 the PPI conference. That's right. And um, and I was I was amazed at his wealth of knowledge. But I think what touched me the most was here you here I finally had an epileptologist who I thought understood some of what I went through as a woman with epilepsy because he had had epilepsy as a teenager, and he was willing to talk about it in front of a group of young people. And I think that that helped them to understand that they had a lifetime of endless possibilities, but also to encourage them to um, to be more proactive with their treatment, and also to think about career options because so many of so many children when they have epilepsy or young people when they have epilepsy, they think that their career options are limited. So I want I've never told you that, Brian, but I want to thank you for that. Well, thank you. Thanks, And the other thing that I would like for you to talk a little bit about, you know, I'm the chair of the African-American Initiative for the foundation, and one of the initiatives that I hope that we will be able to continue to work on our our current chair, Joyce Bender has been so supportive of of our initiative, is to increase education within the African-American community, not just in the United States, but also in the Caribbean. Um, Because I think of the Americas, um, even though we're the Epilepsy Foundation of America, and we've had a discussion about Haiti. And I know that you've spoken to a colleague about, you know, Haiti. And then my second question is, as a woman who recuperated from a traumatic brain injury, and I know that you've been very a very outspoken um, epileptologist for the young men and women who are coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan who may be um, have traumatic brain injuries and may develop epilepsy, and how their families can be helpful to them. Well, yes, uh, Denise. You bring- Points and, and I'll comment on a couple of them. I, I want to thank you again also for your input on the board over the years and getting to know you because you've uh, obviously been a, a catalyst for a lot of the movement, in, especially in a couple of the areas we're going to talk about. You mentioned Haiti and the, uh, the Americas and epilepsy. You know, we, we tend to focus on the problem in the United States, but it's such a huge international problem. And then when we get into countries that don't have the resources that we have, whether we talk about diagnostic imaging like MRI, CAT scan, but we're just talking the basics of of seizure medication. I mean, they're quite limited, and uh, we saw with the natural disaster down in Haiti, not only um, were there no places to stay and live and limited hospital resources, but imagine all the epilepsy patients who couldn't get their medications and what was happening there. Um, So Denise has been 
the catalyst at looking at what we're doing from our standpoint here in the United States to try to help the epilepsy population. And we, we've, we've had at least one meeting with it, and I do have a couple colleagues that we've now been in contact with, one at the American Epilepsy Society and the American Academy of Neurology, and ho- we're hoping to help coordinate those efforts to continue to move along and maybe get some funding to help the docs who want to go down there and really help the epilepsy population that has significant limitations there. So hats off to you, Denise, and we'll continue to work on that. Uh, concerning the post-traumatic epilepsy, we know that head trauma is clearly a risk factor for the development of epilepsy, and who should we be more aware of than our returning soldiers? I mean, what they've gone through, um, the perils that they've been put uh, in, you know, they should have someone who definitely is representing them, and I think we've made some major headway now that there's been specialized epilepsy centers developed through the VA system, and there's also education going out to them and their families because one of the problems with post-traumatic epilepsy is people assume you have your head trauma, you know, on March 5th and seizures are going to start on March 6th. And in some cases they do, but you also have people whose seizures won't develop for a year or two or even longer after that. The brain is always making little changes, and unfortunately, those changes can result in a scar that can be electrically not very stable and develop epilepsy. So there's a huge push in new research turning soldiers and in post-traumatic epilepsy so we can understand the problem, treat them better, and maybe even try to do more preventive me- measures to prevent them from developing the condition in the future. Well, Brian, I look forward to your serving as the chair after the dynamic leadership of our current chair, Joyce Bender, I know that the foundation has a bright future ahead. Thanks a lot, Denise. Okay. Hey, Denise, Denise, thank you so much for calling in. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, and I think, do we have Tony on the line? Joyce? Yes. I sure am. Hey, Tony, how are you? That's great. Good. This is Tony Quello calling in, um, which is always an honor when Tony calls in. But I, I'm sure you called to talk to Brian Smith, not me. Hi, Tony. How are you? Hi, Brian. I sure did. Um, I just wanted, Joyce, for all your listeners to know just uh, how excited I am, and I know you are and others as well, Joyce, to have Brian uh, come in as our chairman uh, after after you um, the to uh, have uh, another person um, who has epilepsy to have someone who is a doctor um, of, uh, uh, of uh, knowledge of epilepsy and working hard with epilepsy patients who really understands uh, what it's all about to go through um, the disorder that we all go through uh, is really a godsend. And uh, to to know you, Brian, over these uh, few years has been absolutely fabulous. I'm just really excited. Joyce has been a wonderful chair for the last year and will be uh, continue to be great for the next year. Um, you coming in, uh, it's just going to add to the credibility and the strength of, of our foundation. I'm just really, really excited about it. And you're doing many things, and one of the things that you're 
really making a difference on is the whole issue of of drug switching, which is something that uh, really needs to be corrected, exposed more, um, and ultimately stopped. And you've done uh, such a great thing in, in uh, trying to get this done with the help of uh, others at the foundation. So I just wanted to, uh, when I was told that you were coming on, I just wanted to call in and just say how proud I am of uh, what you've done and how proud all of we are, all of us are, that um, you're going to be uh, taking over the reins uh, after uh, Dynamic Choice. So uh, I think it's fabulous, and I'm very pleased just to say hello to you. Oh, thank you, Tony. I, I'm, I'm sure the audience doesn't know um, how much time we've spent together over the last few years working together, but they should know that, um, you know, not that uh, I felt stigmatized per se by epilepsy, but uh, I wasn't someone who had come out uh, and uh, really talked about having the condition in the past. And, you know, uh, Tony is one of two initial people who really were the catalyst uh, for that to happen for me. The other one was uh, Steve Schechter. Um, but I, cause I remember when he had asked me to write a forward for a book, which was basically telling my story and making it a public, uh, um, uh, description of what had happened to me epilepsy wise. And I remember writing Tony a letter and then subsequently talking with him. And he really was the catalyst for me, uh, to feel comfortable with what I was doing and really looking at the, the big picture, shall we say. So I'll forever be indebted for you for that. And it's just been an amazing time working with you and Joyce over the years at all uh, some of the major initiatives that you put together from the American Disabilities Act to the VA Centers of Excellence um, and now to the generic issue. So it's just been some great work, and I'm, I'm honored to be part of it. That's great. Well, Joyce, you do a great job by bringing uh, these great people together just to be on your show so that your listeners can meet them and talk to them and just see how many wonderful people we do have in the movement. So I applaud you for that, uh, but Brian is special. And, Tony, we've uh, come a long way. Just think, we have three people on a national radio show, and we all have epilepsy, and we're all talking about it. That's exactly right, and you just had Denise uh, and Denise was just on before. That's right. So we've really come a long way. No, I think it's great. I remember when I first got on the board, uh, uh, you know, we just didn't talk about it much. But that, is, that all has changed. So congratulations again, Brian. I think it's wonderful. Thank you very much. Hey, Tony, Tony thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. No thank you, George. And, of course, Bye. Tony had that same impact on my life. I mean, he is he is just an amazing man. But... Um, do we have a caller on the line? Is Neva on the line? I'm here, Joyce. Neva, how are you, Neva? Good, good. How are you? Oh, it's so nice to hear your voice, Neva. Well, thank you. You too. And Neva, tell them who you are and what you do. I am uh, the executive director of the Epilepsy Foundation of Northern California. That I will soon be seeing. Yes, yes. You're actually yes. coming out to our camp. That is correct, but I, I'm sure you two called in today to talk to Dr. Brian Smith. Yes, I did. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hi, Neva. How are you? Great to hear from you again. Good. I just wanted to say how excited we are, all the executive directors are, to, to have you um, as incoming chair. So thank you for that well, thank and your you. dedication to the movement. 
but um, you know we're having our camp next uh, this month, actually June in June, and just can you share how it is, how important it is for for physicians like yourself and neurologists and epileptologists to 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 help volunteer at these camps and what the camps um, have meant to to kids maybe that you've come across. No, oh, the, the kids love the camp. I mean, this is their time to get out and to share the experiences that they haven't been able to share um, in their daily life with the type of restrictions or concerns or problems they may have. Um, and when they're with other uh, kids who have epilepsy, they can share their experiences. They, can, they really can talk about things that make them feel comfortable. And with the guidance of the counselors and the physicians, I mean, there's pretty much no limitation of the things they can do. It's a great time. Um, so, you know, if, if you're anybody who's involved with the care of epilepsy patients uh, and, and kids, uh, think about what you can do for them. And we're just talking a day or two uh, in the summertime when they're looking to expand their horizons and just have some fun. It's a, it's a great program, and I, I'm, I'm sure you guys are going to have a great time this year again. Well, thanks, Brian. And actually, our camp is named after the person that you just spoke with, Tony Coelho. So it's All Camp right. Coelho, and it's, it's going to be in June, and we're really excited. And just... Thank you again, Brian, for, for what you do and for all the um, professionals out there that, um, that work in the field but also volunteer their time, their off time. Well, thank you. Know you. What? Neva, before you go, I just want to say one thing about the camps. Uh, to all the parents listening to the show that have you know, children with epilepsy, I cannot stress to you enough how wonderful it is to have your child learn to be independent Go to a camp like this and meet other kids who also have epilepsy. Because all of a sudden, it's not, oh, my goodness, it's just me. Oh, my goodness, no one's like me. Plus, it's good to get out. It's good to be independent. It's good to be able to go to a camp just as other kids go to a summer camp. So I just want to say I think these camps are absolutely fantastic. Um, And, Neva, I will look forward to seeing you. Thanks again, Joyce, and thanks again, Brian. Thank you, Neva. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now, Brian, I know if I said at the beginning of the show, Brian, you are so popular. <laughs> you would not. You would have said, what? What are you talking about? Because you can see, Brian, you are so popular. Well, thanks, Joyce, but I, they're calling in because this is your show, and it's no, a great show. No, they're calling in because we have a great person coming in as chair that I'll just tell all of you. I told you about Brian being the real deal. From when I first met him, I just knew, oh, wow, I wish all doctors would be like this. And he has helped me on personal issues of all types. He is always there trying to help. He's just a very caring, uh, wonderful person, and we're just with great leadership, and we're we're excited to have him. Uh, But what I wanted to ask you, Brian, someone listening to the show right now, what what should they do if they think their child or they themselves may have epilepsy? How do they find a doctor who specializes in epilepsy? Uh, that's, a gr- that's a great question, Joyce. I mean, because uh, some people don't even know the term epileptologist um, because it's not a common term we use. Uh, uh, an epileptologist is a neurologist who specializes in epilepsy. So in in, in those cases, they typically have done additional training for a year or two in a fellowship uh, 
um, in this direction. So, and they end up seeing pretty much the majority, if not all, their patients are epilepsy patients, and a lot of them are tied to um, comprehensive epilepsy center programs. Um, how do you find them? Well, uh, there's a couple, more than a couple ways, actually. Uh, um, if you look at resources through the various websites, including the Epilepsy Foundation, the American Epilepsy Society, the National Association of Epilepsy Centers, um, they will give you links or um, a direction on how to locate people in your area who are epilepsy specialists. Um, specifically, for example, the National Association of Epilepsy Centers will uh, give you a breakdown of the centers that um, are in their uh, organization that have uh, already completed um, the number of people that they have, the number of procedures, so you get an idea of what type of comprehensive program this actually is. So those are important websites that can be helpful in either giving you a link or giving you a breakdown of the names in your area of people who have specialty training. And, and may I explain to everyone again, remember I went to a doctor, a family doctor, and explained I was having what I thought was some weird fainting spells um, and he misdiagnosed what was wrong and told me it was just some female hormonal problem. And I listened, and I had that almost fatal accident in 1985 that resulted in fracturing my skull and having brain surgery. What I'm saying to you is go to an epileptologist. Go to a doctor that specializes in epilepsy. And feel free to call or contact epilepsyfoundation.org uh, and tell them where you live, and we will get back in touch with you to help you out. But it is so important that you do that. It is really important. Um, while I'm talking to you right now, we can give you a little ad. If someone has a seizure, don't put anything in their mouth, okay? You really can't swallow your tongue. As I always say, that's an urban legend, so don't do that. Right. Neither, neither is it contagious. Uh, hey, Brian, how about research? How is research moving forward to find a cure for epilepsy? Well, because every as day... You know, as you know, Brian, there's a wide spectrum. There are people like me who, living with epilepsy, you know, who take medication where it's pretty much controlled. Then there are people in the middle that, you know, they take medication, but, you know, throughout the year... Maybe, you know, six or seven times a year or more, they still have seizures. But then there are children and adults, well, mainly children living with epilepsy, having hundreds of seizures a day. So it is a wide spectrum. It's not just me and it's not just the other extreme. So how is research moving forward in this area? Well, you make a great point uh, when you emphasize the issue of spectrum because we do have such a variety. And when we're talking about over 40 different types of epilepsy uh, types or epilepsy syndromes, and there needs to be research in a number of directions. I mean, uh, even if you take all the various types and then you break down, uh, you know, is this a pediatric condition? Is this something that's happening in the elderly? The direction of research is going to be quite different. Um, so there are a number of investigators around the country and around the world who have who are continuing to push ideas to try to find out uh, causes and potential cures. And I mean, if you look at how common epilepsy is and how far behind research funding has been compared to some other illnesses or conditions, it's just amazing. And that's why we need to push forward. We need to do more research in in number of different directions because there is such a variety 
of epilepsy types and severity when we look at the at the people who are affected by that. Uh, there's lots of new things that are being discussed. There are potential new treatments that are, may not be far around uh, the corner from being approved. Uh, Besides new medications, we're talking about uh, potential options for deep brain stimulation, which may improve um, epilepsy control. But a bigger shift right now is a lot of the organizations are saying, okay, this is trying to help when there's a problem. What's our way that we can actually cure, though? Can we cure epilepsy? And that's where we want to try to move a lot of our research towards. And is this research also done throughout Europe, throughout the world, as it is in the United States? Uh, it sure is. Obviously, the funding is going to be different. Um, but, yes, there, if you go to the major um, neuroscience meetings or epilepsy meetings um, on an academic st- from an academic standpoint, you're going to see the research that's being done. And uh, sometimes uh, we are seeing things that are being done in Europe first and then are, are take, uh, taken to a next level here and vice versa. So we're trying to work in tandem not only within organizations here in the U.S., but uh, researchers and, and various experienced laboratories are working together so they're not doubling the work and they can help each other out in moving toward that direction of a cure. And I know that um, there are other organizations out there that we work with um, that I think very highly of uh, that you have also worked with and know um, and are all of those groups such as Cure, are they all working mainly in the research, area, research areas, Brian? Uh, well, a number of them are. I mean, uh, we all uh, have slightly, maybe slightly different um, orientations or directions on which we're looking to get funding, but that's why there's so much, so Im- it's so important for us to have discussions amongst the groups so we can do this coordinated effort. Um, you mentioned Cure. We talk about uh, FACES, Epilepsy Therapy Project, um, uh, American Epilepsy Society, American Academy of Neurology. Um, all these organizations have at least some input into uh, research funding and research direction. So it's very important that we, we work together in a collaborative fashion. I agree 100% with that. And with that, listen, we're going to go to break before we come back to close the show with Dr. Brian Smith, who is the director of the Epilepsy Monitoring Unit at Henry Ford Hospital. He is also on the national board of the Epilepsy Foundation, and he is the chair-elect and will be the chairman of the board next May. This is Joyce Bender. America's Voice, where disability matters every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll be right back with Brian Smith. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. At last, a radio program dedicated to helping women look fabulous and feel fabulous naturally. You'll pick up tips on natural detox, learn about the benefits of whole foods, practice stress and relaxation techniques, and learn more about health, relationships, remedies, and self-motivation. Tune in to Feel and Look Fabulous with Arena. Broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We promise you, it's women's time well spent. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Welcome back to the show, and hey, a special hello to Yoshiko Dart. Just think, Yoshiko, we'll be celebrating that ADA July 26th. It's coming. And and by the way, I noticed you saw all these people that got to call in to talk to Brian Smith. You know, I would not be able to do this so smoothly if it were not for my producer, Michael, at Voice America. So I just want to mention him also because he's always doing a good job. Hey, Brian, when you were on here, you were talking about uh, different people brought up AES and that you were uh, the president or chair of AES. Can you talk about that, AES, for a minute? Oh, I'm, well, I'm not is? chair of AES. Um, I, what I was, uh, presently am chair-elect for the uh, professional, uh, Epilepsy Foundation Professional Advisory Board, which includes a number of AES members. Um, but I am a member of AES and a number of their committees. Um, the AES is the American Epilepsy Society, which is the professional organization, really, that spends pretty much all their time dealing with epilepsy, whether we're talking research, whether we're talking uh, medical treatments, whether we're talking um, issues with advocacy and a number of other avenues. Uh, they have the major meeting per year, the annual American Epilepsy Society meeting, which draws uh, physicians, nurses, social workers, psychiatrists, psychologists, all the team members involved in epilepsy care from around the United States and around the world, because it is the major meaning to look at uh, scientific breakthroughs and uh, treatment options. So they are the, the major professional organization, and um, we, all, we all are kind of coordinated with the International League Against uh, epilepsy, which is kind of the international organization which AES is part of. Well, you know what? Before I forget, 
we, remember I told you we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and I just want to tell you I did have a message from the national staff uh, from Ken Lowenberg wanting me to thank you for all your great work with Talk About It, talkaboutit.org, and that you will be talkaboutit.org. Brian's going to be on talkaboutit.org with Greg Grunberg. Greg, we love you. Okay. Oh, Greg Grumberg, you are awesome. And you know, Greg, here he is, TV star, and yet takes time to help us all the time. He is so wonderful. But go to talkaboutit.org, and you'll be seeing Brian Smith on that on there also. And uh, thanks, Ken, for coordinating that with Greg. Uh, uh, Greg has just taken us light years ahead in exposure about what epilepsy is and teaching people. So talkaboutit.org. Uh, Greg is just a force, and uh, he's going to continue uh, to make huge strides in, in tandem with all the organizations that support people with epilepsy. Yes, he is. He is phenomenal, and so are all of his children. They are phenomenal. Well, how about speaking of that, Brian, when you were growing up, how about you? Did you have a role model when you were growing up? You know, I always, uh, and maybe I came from a bigger family with uh, six kids, and, you know, it was always, our, at least in my heart, it always seemed to be our parents. Uh, and not that we stayed in the house all the time, it's just they were really uh, the ones who kind of gave us the direction. And when I wanted to excel in academics or whatever, it was because I, I really wanted to kind of, take things along the way they planted the seed for us all. I mean, they'd, they'd done, a, I thought, a great job, and they were really kind of my role models uh, in growing up. Well, they did a great job. Well, thanks. <laughs> they did a really great job. Uh, well, Brian, the next two questions I have asked everyone uh, that's been on this show, but specifically I want to ask you in reference to over the past year, you know, with the Epilepsy Foundation, you've worked in all these different areas uh, the past year and a half or so. What, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment? Ooh, um, well, you know, that's an interesting question, uh, and that's a hard one to answer. I mean, uh, you know, every day when we see someone in the clinic who has either been misdiagnosed or is being considered for surgery and you get a very positive outcome. I mean, you know, that's the kind of thing you look at every day, and although it might seem uh, trivial in the sense that you see a lot of patients per day, I mean, if you, if you look at the impact on their life that you have at least been part of in making that happen, that's really a huge thing. And um, so, I mean, I, that would probably be the number one thing I would say from a, from a broader perspective and work with the Epilepsy Foundation. I think probably the, the biggest accomplishment is that I, I think we've at least opened the, uh, the door for discussion concerning the medication substitution. And even though uh, the majority of patients will do fine with the switch, the fact that some are going to have a problem and and that we should have open dialogue so this is not something that they are not aware of as a possibility. I think that's really a a huge step, at least in the right direction, in opening up that discussion and looking for the perspective, the scientific data to come out in in the new trial that's being being designed and reviewed right now. 
Well, before we ask you the last question, Brian, you know, I have a huge following of young people across the United States that are part of the Bender Lead On team or just people I've met from the Kids Speak Out, uh, and a lot of them are terribly bullied every single day. It's terrible, but of course, a lot of these kids have become leaders now, and they've, they're empowered to help other kids, but... Um, here you are. You're going to be some, someday the chair very soon of the National Epilepsy Foundation. And for any of those young people listening to this show right now, Brian, you have, you have their back? Uh-huh. Yeah? Yes, what I advice, do. What can you tell them? What advice can you give them? Well, you know, uh, they, they've already faced some very difficult times. You mentioned the bullying, um, and is it because of a disability? Is it because of a condition? I mean, these aren't things that they ask for, and the fact that they can keep their head up and continue to go to school every day and to continue to talk about what their, pro- what their condition is and the things they want to do in their life and not hold back. I mean, um, you know, they should be proud of what they've done so far and continue um, continue to march in that direction. I mean, they they should be able to have the dreams that they want in their life, and they should be able to pursue them. It's not in the hands of other people. It should still be in their hands. And even though not everybody sees it correctly um, or misunderstands the condition, um, they know what it is, uh, their families know what it is, and they just need to continue to march forward because um, they are going to get to where they want to be. That's right. They are. Um, and we are there for you, both of us. You can count on us, Brian and Joyce, and the past chair, Steve, and the yeah. chair before that, Tony Quello. We are there for you, and I mean it. So, Brian, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Well, I think uh, they're doing uh, a number one thing by listening to your show because they're, they're maintaining, uh, they're being educated every day about what's happening out there and what they can do to be part of that process to improve not only um, things such as the amount of research going on to look for answers to the condition that they have, but also the appropriate support that they could find in helping in their daily um, challenges that will be difficult to do if they don't get some outside support. Um, So not only are they educating themselves, but they're empowering themselves by listening and moving forward, and they should continue to do that. You're one source. There are other sources out there. They should be opening up the websites, reading, and and pushing the button to keep things moving ahead. Yeah, because, and I so much agree with you, Brian, because one thing I tell people with disabilities all the time, not just people with epilepsy, no more waiting, folks, no more waiting. Okay, when it comes to employment, that guy, that magic prince is not going to knock on your door and say, here I am, I'm hiring you, here I am. We have been taken care of and pitied for way too long. You have to be the change. You have to make it happen. You have to get out there and become informed, just as Brian said. Well, Brian, it was truly a pleasure having you as guest today, and I will so much look forward to this last year that we're partnered together while I'm the chair and the future when you become the chair. Well, thank you, Joyce. It's been a pleasure uh, working with you over the years, and I've learned so much, and I also look very much forward to this next year. I, I really appreciate it. 
Oh, my pleasure. Um, and, you know, we end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader. Um, and because, because, 20th anniversary, the signing of the ADA, come on this month, it has to be Tony Quello, who said, work gives us dignity. Oh, how true that is. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.